Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Okay, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Iron Radio. This is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach. I run Strength Guild, Live for Hope, USSF, among other things. I'm also a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and uh, well, I was boxing till I tore my hamstring. <laughs> so, nice. and uh, this is Dr. John Mike. I'm an assistant professor in exercise science, strongman competitor. Um, I love to eat, take up a lot of space, and uh, national pancake eating champion. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Andrew Cutler on. Andrew, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit. Hi, I'm Andrew Cutler. Um, I have a blog called The Fitness Philosopher. Um, I do actually uh, fitness training, but I'm also a philosophy instructor. I uh, recently graduated with my uh, doctorate in philosophy where I worked on um, Aristotle and his philosophy of uh, leisure So, and how that fits into the good life. And uh, so presently I'm actually developing a course for a university on that very topic. Nice. Yeah. We're going to get into that exact topic with Andrew here in a little bit. We have a few male things. Strength and muscle sport news. The first thing I want to touch on, I thought it was pretty humorous, um, and everybody's always wondering about my <laughs> my ever so popular surgeries. So I'm getting ready to go to another one. Um, but so everybody knows I tore my hamstring from the bone. Um, deadlifting apparently 655 is too much for one leg. Um, <laughs> um, so, anyways, went and met with the surgeon, and we sit down. He's like, "Yeah, you know, you're 39, so our best bet is probably just rehab it, let that muscle go away, and yeah, you'll just live your life as is." And he said, "The other option, surgery." And he's like, "Let's talk about your lifestyle." So, anyways, we talked about my lifestyle. He's like, oh, "Okay, never mind. You have to get surgery with what you want to do." But it's just interesting the fact that I, I I can't get past the fact that they will let people just oh you don't need that anymore we'll just go without yeah, it just, and uh, I mean my insurance is even fighting it too they're like oh you're old you don't need that yeah I'm just uh, yeah, exactly just sit on the couch and be sedentary <laughs> the rest of your life yeah yeah that's, that's uh, such a great approach isn't it yeah there's there's a few more muscles back there they'll take over <laughs> you know <laughs> no so yeah, like, I got yeah. I got a deadlift uh, next week. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so yeah, I go to surgery the 22nd. We'll get that taken care of. He said 12 weeks before I deadlift heavy again, but uh, that's not that bad. Three months. So um, we got some listener mail. Um, I'll just say this is from Riley. I won't give any last names. It says, what's up, big guy? First time writing, new religious listener. My name is Riley, and I've been listening to you guys for the past month on my drive to and from work every day, 40 minutes from home to work on one way. I really appreciate all that you guys do and enjoy all the knowledge you share to listeners. I'm currently at Walter, a water survival instructor in the Navy, and Navy in, and I plan on getting out of the service after my three years stationed ashore and going into physical therapy realm for my career. I've been interested in health and fitness for over nine years now and staying in shape and helping others as often as possible. I used to be a command fitness leader on my previous command, USSS, USSMOMSENDDG-92. 
Um, and we'll soon be doing it here. At my last ship, I would purchase about 20 to 35-gallon jugs of Intec protein and sell it to my crew. My first question would be, have you ever heard of Intec Evolution Protein? Um, what do you think of it in terms of nutrition and worth? I've been using Intec for about four years, and I've been able to find any other protein that tastes as good or seems healthier. Second, please ask the crew of a reading list of good books material for someone interested in PT world. Still working on my degree. I enjoy some fresh new reading, aside from general studies and boring elective work. Thank you so much. Lift on. Wow, that's a really big Anybody question. Got, uh, yeah. Yes, it is. Anybody have any... Uh, um, a line on the intech. I've never, well, you know, I've never heard of it either. I, I'm sure this will be yeah, a question yeah, that but. Lonnie could probably answer better. But yeah, I've never heard of it. And uh, you know, you know, with the proteins, especially, I mean, you always have to kind of be wary of, of what you're really looking for. And typically, you want, uh, you know, the whey isolates or the concentrates or hydrolysis. Typically, you would want an um, an isolate from a hydrolysis. A lot of times, the consumer doesn't really know that. Um, but typically, if, if isolate or concentrate or um, hydrolysis is typically, you know, the first through third, or even fourth ingredients, typically you're getting a little bit more. And obviously there's been so many um, scientific studies done on, uh, you know, the effects of whey protein and performance and lean body mass, body composition, um, you know, the facilitation of recovery. So typically the um, the, the isolates or concentrates or hydrolysis are really going to be the best. Um, but what you also have to kind of watch out for is, um, you know, serving size and quantity and, 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 and price board because a lot of times you may pay a higher price and you may not get as much, you know, quantity. And so you can buy things offline. Um, typically, like, you know, um, brand names like Optimum is really good. Um, you know, First Form is really good. Like, it's a really good protein. Um, there's, some, there's, there's a lot of, uh, like, Forge is pretty good. I've, I've used that. And, some, and sometimes, depending on where you are location-wise, you might be able to get different types of brands um, at various, you know, price points. Um, and some brands are only like local, um, and some are more, um, you know, national or international. So, um, like Di- Dynamize Nutrition, they have some pretty decent products. Um, and uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't heard of the one that the, um, our listener was referring to. Yeah, I'm looking at that now. The only problem I have with it right from the start is you're paying forty four dollars for two pounds. Yeah, that's wow, yeah. Can, and the first ingredient is whey protein concentrate. Okay. So that's the cheapest of the pretty much the the least expensive of the whey proteins. Not saying that it's bad. Right. I mean, but you're paying forty five dollars for two pounds. I mean, and 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 yeah. most people need to understand that. Two pounds is really nothing. That'll last probably about you know like two weeks, depending on how how often and how frequently you use mm-hmm. you use it. So, but you can get things online. You can go and get a different brand or a larger quantity. I mean, I I've personally paid the same price for like five pounds. Yeah, um, yeah, I was gonna say. You know, yeah. so and then actually, you know, like. Um, uh, warehouse stores like Sam's Club and Costco, like they actually carry some really big brand names of protein mm-hmm. for larger quantities and for similar price points. So yes, so and that's what I'd like. Like you said, look for a bigger brand name. Um, you know, something that's just reputable is what you're looking for first, and then other than that, search for price point and something you can palate. Right. You know, if it tastes like ass, then you probably aren't going to drink. I, it, so. I agree. I uh, I'd also just uh, add in. Um, some of these cheap protein powders out there these days. You hear about? Can you hear me? Uh, the amino spiking and these sort of problems that you hear about. And some of these cheaper brands coming internationally. Um, 
put melamine and things in these things so that uh, when they get scanned, they're showing a high protein ratio, but uh, it's not exactly what we think is going to be in it. It's not even whey isolate or whey concentrate. Something else uh, was showing up in babies' formulas that were being imported and then uh, recently uh, in protein powders. I okay. would um, suggest that the listener just look for some different uh, bigger brand names and look for some a bigger quantity of protein for a similar price. And there's so many different flavors out there. So it's in terms of flavors, it's really a matter of just personal preference in terms of what flavor you like. But I think the biggest takeaways are just uh, look for a bigger brand name and try to buy a larger quantity for a similar price, somewhere between 40 and $50. And like we said, I mean, you can get some things at big warehouse stores like Sam's or Costco. They have bigger brand names and for a bigger quantity and, and a lot of times a better price. So I would I would recommend the person do that. I got uh, my isolate actually at Costco these days, and it's costing me about $44 Canadian. That's probably only like $10 U.S. No, I'm kidding. With exchange rate. But <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No, great deal these days. It's come down a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the second part of the question, this is a huge one. What books, um, man, there's so many out there. Um, books for what? Like physical therapy? Well, yeah, geared more towards the PT side of things. So um, I would definitely, right off the bat, I mean, I would definitely suggest, um, Stuart McGill's like low back, yeah, low back stuff. disorders and, uh, yeah. you know, low back health. So those are, those are, he just came out with a new one actually too. Um, a new edition or even a new, uh, text, if you will. So, I didn't want to say Stu McGill. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're into like functional movement, um, anything by Gray Cook or the movement book by Gray Cook, um, there's some really good, uh, like biomechanic books out there that are, that are a few that are not heavily laden on the, the math side, but a more practical application oriented. Um, and, and of course, if you're, I mean, obviously, you can relate anything to really like physical therapy, but even on the training side, I mean, obviously, you know, um, science and practice of strength training. Um, some of the human kinetic um, books actually um, are, are really good. But um, I don't know, Andrew. Do you have any um, suggestions there? I think I was going to mention McGill right off the bat, as you did. I think yeah. you got a pretty good list there. I think that that uh, that field has been growing quite a bit with the literature. I, I've noticed a lot, but some of the standards that you just mentioned stick out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, McGill, Gray Cook, and his crew. Um, and maybe even some of the like if you're getting into the foam rolling and things like that, the stuff Kelly starts doing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then yeah, I don't I, as a PT, I don't think you can ignore. You need to, you need to have at least some kind of knowledge of the strength and conditioning field. Sure. Yes. And just getting basic knowledge of even like you know basic periodization and things like that. Yeah. Uh, even like, like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like I I I've had a lot of his read some of a lot of this stuff in the past and it's you know one of the issues that i have with periodization and and depending on really how far indeed that you want to go into it and i've seen a lot of people different people present on it like a lot of the guys from um like east tennessee state and um um mike um mike stone's group um and all of his you know um, students and former students it's a lot of um I guess depending on who's really presenting on it and what specific topic, but I have found over the years that it's a lot of meat and potatoes and no fork with which to eat. Um, <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of like you know what's and what's and what's and how ha- and very little hows and and whys and 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 I'm sure that's not the case across the board, but that's certainly the, the big impression that I've gotten over the years. And you know when it comes to trainers and coaches, I mean obviously trainers can can. They're probably using less 
of various periodization models for their clients, the fat loss clients and strength coaches are. Um, but you know, I'm a big fan of the conjugate system, you know, max effort, dynamic effort, and you know, yeah. repetition method. And I've done all the other periodization schemes before myself, and they work fine. Um, but there comes a point in time with your with your training that um, you have to be able to kind of be fearless in terms of what programs that you want to use and try out different things. And you know, three or four weeks of doing something is not going to do shit. Um, you're not yeah. going to do like three or four months, you know, or, or six months worth of worth of things. So. I agree um, with that, Philip. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the real thing with periodization is just uh, some benefits in just long-term thinking, like you just said, setting out long plans for different sort of not for everyone, not for every goal. Uh, this undulated periodization type of concept that came up in the last sort of decade of you know mixing up your various goals even without the week. Some of the things you touched on. Uh, there's a lot of variation there for sure. And that book that's getting a bit older now. What do you guys think about uh, Mel Sif's Super Training? You guys got any? Ideas yeah, that. I mean, I, I would probably put that on the list of like overall, like say, you know, top ten books to have. But you know, mm-hmm. Mel was. I wish I, I wish I had been old enough to to meet and talk with him before right. he passed away. But um, you know, one of the things I think about his book is that that book and Science and Practice they're not easy reads. They're very no. complicated. They're very you know hard to understand, and it's not something that you're just going to read like over a weekend or two weeks. And be like, okay, yeah, I understand all this stuff. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, you need to give yourself probably six months to a year. Yeah, a year. Of really trying to just understand the fundamental basis of it um, and then go from there. But I think, you know, SIF, and, and, and it was certainly way ahead of his time. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's information and concepts in there that are not utilized very much in real world, you know, types of training, which is fine. But it's not, you know, they're not um, little paperback books that you can get it. You know, Barnes and Noble, and yeah. course of a weekend. So, well, and that's the same thing with like, anything by Bompa and stuff like that. You got to, you have to take time to digest it. Yeah. And I think personally, from a, at least a PT field, he needs to get those people thinking long term, not next week. Exactly. You know, six months from now, you're going to be moving well again. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so absolutely. Uh, let's take a short break, and we'll get back to our topic. Then. Great. Okay. Sounds good. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, 
to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, we're back from break. Uh, Dr. John here and Phil Stevens and our um, special guest, um, Andrew Cutler. And our topic for today is really the role of exercise and fitness in uh, the good life. Uh, generally, and uh, you know, we when we typically think of um, exercise and fitness, and obviously that needs to be um, encompassed in more of a you know both health and fitness, and even from performance. And you know, when you get into the differences of like health and fitness versus performance, um, they're really two opposite ends of the same spectrum. And there's there's certainly a lot of space between. But I've always said, um, and, and it really depends on the athlete and, and your overall goals. But typically, even if you are someone who trains more for health. And fitness, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You certainly get a lot of benefits, you know, physiologically and, and through adaptation. But I've always said, you know, if you train for performance, then you can get the aesthetic side effect as opposed mm-hmm. to just training for aesthetics. I mean, if you're just training for aesthetics, you know, for bodybuilding or fitness and figure, you know, that's fine. But if you're not doing one of those physique types of sports, then I think you're better off training for overall performance because you can get performance benefits and aesthetic side effects at the same time. So, um, you know, Angie, um, you shouldn't be very, um, after some background in this. So what, um, what's the, you? Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, well, yeah, um, maybe I'll just, uh, I'll answer that one a little bit first. I think that what you, you reminded me of the idea of doing, um, anaerobic exercise and you get the benefits of aerobic exercise, kind of killing two birds with one stone. I completely agree with you. If you work for performance, if you train for performance, you're going to get nice physique goals. Uh, you're going to hit some physique goals. Sure, it might not be at the same level as someone who just trains purely for aesthetics or something like this. But uh, I agree. You want not just the health and the fitness side of things. That's totally tied into how your body actually performs and can move and can function. And uh, so I'm totally on board with you there. Um, I will just back that up a little bit, though, just to something a bit broader now, I think, because uh, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more specifically. Um, I just wanted to talk about, first of all, 
just some basic philosophy. Uh, I did, uh, like I mentioned at the introduction, uh, my blog, The Fitness Philosophers, started out almost as a little bit of a, a joke. Uh, I was always making sort of philosophical comments about fitness stuff. I've been into bodybuilding a long time. I, I've helped people with, uh, I train for shows, but a lot of general population people too. And generally, spend a lot of time chatting about philosophy because that's uh, what I studied in school now starting to teach. Um, and that being said, um, my main focus was on uh, is on Aristotle, and one of his big points is about the good life. And and uh, you hear that term thrown around a lot, but it generally uh, translates. Uh, the Greek term was eudaimonia, and that kind of meant being blessed by a good spirit, so somebody that had a good, charmed life, a good life. Uh, and we turn that into something that like happiness today. And uh, this is might sound a little abstract, but uh, to get to the point, we got to sell. We got to ask ourselves why do we train? And there's different reasons that we train to meet short-term goals, but ultimately we train to be happy. And so that might sound a little bit simplistic, but we train ultimately to uh, to uh, we do any activity in our life as an ultimate goal for Aristotle to be happy. But we shouldn't make any of those things that are means to this final end of happiness become the end itself, if that makes any sense. He was very critical of Anybody, whether that was the early hedonists or um, people just concerned with pleasure, anybody making a single focus, the end of their life became problematic. So uh, part of what I wrote on, what I looked at was how does the fitness lifestyle or how does fitness, exercise, athletic performance and these things that were very popular with the Greeks, of course, for them starting the Olympics and these things, how did this fit into a good life? Okay, so uh, that being said... Um, we, I really looked at what the concept of leisure was in, in Aristotle. And uh, so just to talk a little bit about how the Greek situation was, uh, it was a little bit different than we have today. It was a very uh, tiered system. You had a noble class of people and a class of workers in, say, Athens or Sparta. Um, and the, the nobles at the top would be free for political life. And... Uh, Part of that political life, and this is what really stimulated me, guys, was that a day was generally spent at a gymnasium. Now, the gymnasium wasn't just a, it was a gym in our sense, but it was actually the school or the early universities. So our ideas of universities, uh, what we'll call the academy, uh, academics, come from Plato's academy. And uh, the academy or the schools um, were the places of leisure or schole. So for the Greeks, leisure ultimately meant school or, or learning or development. So you can see here how leisure is tied ultimately into self-development and education and learning. And that includes the development of the physical body. Because for the Greeks, developing the physical body developed the mind. And so uh, both in Plato and Aristotle, who had the original ideas on, say, education, uh, the basis of education is both gymnastics and music. Both of those terms are very uh, much broader than how we use them today. Gymnastics would include all sports, uh, athletic training, physical training, one's whole life. Nobody uh, gave up on this. It was a daily thing. People would get together. One of the most popular forms was wrestling. Uh, Plato himself uh his actual real name was uh, Ariston. Plato meant broad-shouldered. He was a broad-shouldered wrestler, so he wasn't just a great mind, but he was a great strong, strong man and wrestler. Um, and so that really kind of got me started on looking into uh, this more nuanced Greek concept of what it means to live a good life um, from their perspective of building the body and the mind lifelong. I'll, I'll just take a pause right there. Uh, does that make sense, guys?
No, totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you mentioned uh, like really like in, in early Greek days, and when I was uh, I taught a January term class, and I talked about some of the history of just like strength and and what like old school gyms used to really look like, and and of course you didn't find you know uh, you know elite FTS equipment in there and right. other stuff. I mean, it was just basically a gym and. Um, these old, like maybe the rings or like some, maybe some type of like pommel oars or something of that nature, jump ropes, a lot of calisthenics and body weight type of training. So I think historically we certainly have moved and advanced, um, uh, way, um, um, you know, significantly. I just, just really, I mean, not even in the last like hundred years, but really like just Phil, you know, you know what I mean? Just in the last like 10, 15 years. I agree with you. Totally. Just a short term. So, um, yeah, Absolutely. That's an excellent point. That's a topic I get into later on. It's a part of my thesis, just how modern technology, the result of our enlightenment, of our whole rise of science, has influenced our leisure. And you, you really talk, touch on an excellent point there, Philip. The idea that technology has changed how we train, how we approach fitness, what a gym even looks like, what it means to go in and work out with sleds and uh specialized squat racks and all sorts of stuff that was not even available before. On top of all the, the digital equipment, I think something, though, that's an important point here to go on a sideline, it kind of makes me think of Rocky 3 or 4, where hmm. they have Rocky, you know, training outdoors versus uh, Dolph Lundgren, the, the Russian, with all the specialized equipment in these things. And they're trying to show a little bit, they're trying to make it seem like Rocky doesn't need any of that stuff and he can still, he can just train old school. I think that, uh, I think it's a bit of a funny scene, but they're really contrasting that, um, those two approaches. I think that they're, um, that we can only really benefit from some of these technological advances, obviously, guys. And I, I think you guys are both agreed with that. Um, but that being said, um, I wanted to say, talk a little bit more about how, um, balancing sort of our interests and so fitness ultimately unless somebody is a professional athlete or even perhaps a soldier their training uh, their physical training is part of what I'm going to call their leisure time so it's generally not tied in unless again pro athletes some tied into how we're making our income how we're making our living even if we can do things on the side that are related to that um, so I considered exercise a form of leisure and uh, but ultimately, I think that the good life uh, needs to have for everyone, uh, someone with really a strong, high athletic goals or not, a basis in fitness and exercise is just, I think you guys would agree, uh, just a standard for every human being. Uh, at, we've kind of evolved in ways that we were very active animals and this new sedentary lifestyle everybody has with computers and offices and again some of the uh, the negative impacts of technology uh, we really seen rises in obesity and all sorts of problems with people so general populations and, uh, and and above moving all the way up to athletes having gymnastics or fitness as a base of our good life is uh, is is essential that being said we don't want it to become the very end of our life being it's all we live for. We all know people that, and we probably, some of us, I've been there myself, where you just, all that you care about is training for a period of life. I have a daughter now and things, so obviously it changes my perspective on, on life and how we fit things in. Um, I'll take a pause right there. I do have a little list of sort of things on a little bit of a hierarchy uh, of what I think should fit in, but you guys have any comments based on that? No, I agree, and I've said it numerous times on the show. I mean, the best athletes I've met in my life are ones that aren't just totally self-absorbed with their athletic career. Okay. 
They're much deeper and broader than that. Yeah. Um, See these people that are stuck and like they are totally defined by whatever they're trying to do fitness realm wise, and it it actually holds them back because they have no relaxed time from that. Excellent. (laughs) They have no. Yeah. I mean, I don't. So I don't. I don't. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you're not really talking about like the high level like Olympic athletes. No, Philip, I'm not. I, and I, yeah. I will touch on that a little bit. Um, and I'll actually just bring in Aristotle directly. Aristotle yeah, but- mentions how there was a sports trainer back in his name, uh, Herodictus, and he was called the original exercise physiologist, the uh, original sports trainer. And he used to recommend the athletes eat lots of meat, train continuously. Um, and uh, Milos, the weightlifter, of course, he says yep. Milos will eat like 24 pounds of meat, but yep. your average person will just eat a pound. There was definitely room for uh, high-level athletes, Philip, to live a life dedicated solely to their ends. Yes, I'm talking more of a general population. Yeah, because I, cause, I mean, I think we all know and understand. I mean, if you're, I don't know if you've seen that uh, recent new that actually came out this week. The new video of uh, you know Michael Phelps um, kind of called the uh, the Under Armour video like the long uh, the last goodbye and uh, it's actually a really good video. It's kind of creepy in a in a sense too. But um, I mean, when you're an Olympic athlete, I mean, you're basically that's your full time job. I mean, you don't yes. have another part time job. I mean, it's like that's just all you do, which is a different level, and it's a different uh, level of, of of commitment and 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 discipline. But um, I mean, but like. You know, Phil and I understand because we have a lot of competition experience. I mean, when you're competing, you have to put that more at a little bit more of a, of a priority and other things have to – I don't want to use the word suffer, but you have to make more sacrifices to be able to compete and do so at a good level. But, I mean, as we all know, you can't compete year-round and you can't be strong and big and, and lean year-round unless you're either genetic freaks or you're on, like, or, or you're on tons of drugs like year-round. It just doesn't work. I mean, you talk to any like strongman or powerlifter, you know, they may do like a couple contests each, each or once a year, and the rest of the time they're training, but the rest of the time they're training to get stronger in order to, um, you know, uh, make their weaknesses stronger and, um, and, and just get more um, performance benefits. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's a good stuff. Excellent point, Philip. That made me think of two things. First of all, pumping iron when Arnold says he didn't go to his dad's funeral. You guys remember that point? Yeah. Uh, he just say, uh, I guess that wasn't even true, something he had heard in France or something. But the idea of he's talking about being a competitive mindset, yeah, blocking everything out to that point, and I agree with you. I think, though, and you guys as competitors, and just like you were just saying, um, you see some people now, and I see it in bodybuilding physique shows and stuff now, people just competing continuously, doing two or three, four shows a year, not taking breaks and things. I don't think there's a lot of room for improvement sometimes when we're people are just constantly on that. Uh, I think more downtime, as you say. Um, and actually, it brings up a point, again, uh, because he's my hero, Aristotle, I have to keep bringing him up. Uh, he talks about Olympic athletes, and he says, you'll notice something. He said, you'll notice that the same people that compete as children in the Olympics never compete as adults in the Olympics. And he says, so you kind of like, you can peak once in your life. I mean, this is a little bit on the side of what you're saying, but just seeing what you guys had to say about something like that, this insight that if you're going to peak when you're young, you're not going to peak when you're old or vice versa. Yes. Okay. And that's why, I mean, you see it in Olympic weightlifting. Right. Like America crushes master's level weightlifting. We get crushed at the <laughs> Olympic level. Right. So, and it's because, I mean, a part of it's mental too. I mean, if you're a Russian athlete and you go and you win gold at the actual Olympics, why are you even going to compete at, and be a, a portion of your prior self? Right. 
as, as an older adult. Right. You know, it's like your your time is done. So you, you move on to another aspect of your life. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's like I remember, um, you know, watching some recent interviews with, with Michael Phelps because he's going to be doing his last um, swim swimming um, Olympics here this right. summer that he's going to be done. But, yeah. I mean, he's um, obviously he's been swimming his whole life, but his first Olympics was in 2004. You know, so, I mean, he's, he's done, like, four or five Olympics, like, in, like, 12 years. Uh, <laughs> more, more than that, really, you know, 14 years. So, um, but, like, he, I think he got his first Olympics when he was, like, 15. Um, you know, now he's, like, obviously, you know, push, pushing 30. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, and, and, you know, obviously, I think swimmers can have a little bit longer Olympic career. Um because just be, just because of the nature of the pool, I mean, you, you don't have the effects of gravity. You can do more volume, but it's it's just a different type of animal. You can't really compare Olympic athletes to like top collegiate. Cause that's like comparing a top collegiate, you know, collegiate basketball player to like an NBA. They're just kind of hundreds of miles apart. Right, and I don't think the general public often appreciate or recognize that point. Well, uh, I had a couple other things to add here. Uh, just as far as a, a good life would go together, so. I just need to say, I'm, the good life is kind of, as I said, eudaimonia is the Greek term. It's kind of a technical term, which it gets translated as happiness. But more broadly, it's sort of like a whole life. And, and just to talk about why it's a whole life, Aristotle would say something like, you could not have your life considered good until you're dead. And because something might happen in your life at the end of your life, which actually screws it up, your reputation or, or, or something horrific happens, which actually sort of messes up your life, even to the point where if you had children that kind of like ruined your family name, then your your, your life's kind of, uh, it, again, we couldn't say you had a good life. So it's a very almost abstract, very broad concept, but he's wanting to include here uh, a very large range of things uh, from honor and wealth and happy old age and uh, beauty and uh, wisdom and all sorts of things. But um, what I sort of did it... it Towards the end of my uh, of my dissertation, it's actually something I'm going to try to turn into a, a little book eventually. Here is uh, I broke down sort of five different points, and I wanted to speak to them with you guys and just get a little bit of feedback. Five points that I figured uh, fit, make a good life, ultimately based in fitness, and uh, they're uh, they go as follows. So if you could almost think of like a Maslow pyramid with fitness at the very bottom. So physical fitness and health, okay? And then moving up towards that, a, a stage above that is uh, lifelong education. So exactly what you guys are doing here. Talking about these concepts, uh, educating people uh, both formally and radio shows, uh, working with clients, this type of thing. Uh, helping others, but also helping yourselves. You guys both sound like really intelligent men. Uh, you're obviously read a lot, uh, like to stay on top of things. This is the type of thing that I say, coming from the Greeks is the idea of constant self-development. Just like we're always trying to get stronger physically. We want to get stronger mentally or emotionally or, or whatever that is. A higher level than that, which I don't want to get into too much, it's a little bit more political and this is an important topic for you guys in the United States right now, uh, it's just the idea of citizenship. So how does my lifestyle of training and self-development fit into me being a good part of the greater whole of even my country, uh, a good country like the United States or even globally? So how do all these things that I do affect other people and uh, have an effect on the world? Above that, I have just two other levels. One's called liturgy. Now, that's a word that really just means political act for the Greeks, and that means 
really giving back to your community, and I'd say this is what something like Iron Radio is awesome, uh, a community like the fitness community really giving back like you guys are doing um, by spreading uh, a good message, uh, giving people lots of feedback, um, promoting ideas, just promoting generally the lifestyle, giving good information. And that's really important with guys like you guys and this type of radio show because, as you know, there's just so much misinformation out there when it comes to fitness because of marketing and advertising just really clouding over a lot of it. At the top of all this is just ultimately uh, contemplation, and this is just a, a reflecting. So taking time for ourselves really to reflect on all of these ideas, not just being on autopilot, not just reacting, taking time, sit, reflect on thinking, reflect on our goals, reflect on why we're doing these things. And I think if you put those five components together of things that are ultimately within our control and our in our leisure, uh, that really um, comes together as a, as what we could definitively say is a pretty good life, uh, but ultimately based in fitness. Did you guys have anything to say about that? Maybe. Um, no, I mean, I just go right back to you know I I agree one hundred percent, and like I said, I mean even the professional athletes I know are. Are much usually much deeper than people think they are. Right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> not just one hundred percent wrapped up in, in fitness. I mean, some of the strongest people I know are also the the most learned. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, so I mean, of course, there's outliers, uh, but in general, I mean, they're not. They aren't just one hundred percent athlete because if they were, they'd be burnt out. You have to have that off switch. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's usually the ones that are, and I had I saw the same thing in in art school. Um, but usually the, the person who's screaming about being the athlete the most, yep. like, I'm an athlete, I'm an athlete, they're not that great of an athlete. Uh, <laughs> the, the great athletes let their performance speak for them, and then in their off time, they're talking about other things. They're playing freaking video games and spending time with their family. Right, right. Good, yeah. good, good. So, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, um, so don't, uh, don't really have much to add on that point. <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to ask you guys something just really specifically when it comes to training and, and resting and things is just this idea of overtraining. Uh, <laughs> back from you guys on that. So uh, a couple ideas. I'm a bit old school when it comes to bodybuilding. I still put things in maybe an older 80s model. So I compare, you know, sort of the the volume Schwarzenegger in type of training with the uh, old school Menser Arthur Jones hit style training uh, I'm just going to use those as an example of two sort of polar ends you know training once every 14 or 21 days versus training every day now those are real extreme funny bodybuilding examples maybe but you hear a lot about you know training the same list every day today versus people uh, that really preach a lot more recovery where do you guys where do you guys fall on that spectrum? Um, um, yeah, I'll, I'll start. That's fine. Um, I've yeah. actually presented on overtraining several times um, for the NSCA and written a lot of articles. Okay. Um, <laughs> awesome. for, um, fee for NSCA and then um, fee for like Elite FTS. But, uh, you know, my take on overtraining is there's really like two different camps. Mm-hmm. One that says overtraining exists and the other one that says overtraining does not exist. When, when you have people say that, you know, there's no such thing as like overtraining either – they're on a ton of drugs, which allows them to recover more and train more frequently and more volume and more intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, you have it's like I think it's it's the the there's a lot more science on overtrain in the last couple of years, um, and it really even started like in the like the 90s. Um, but I think it's 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 done a good thing because it's it's brought us more awareness 
of the types of things that can result from overtraining. But I think at the same time, it's also created a fear among people to say that they, they, they can't train hard, they can't do as much volume because they're going to be afraid of, of overtraining. And really, overtraining is actually the more extreme side to the equation versus more like overreaching. I mean, you can have like acute overreaching um, where you're training too much volume, too much intensity, um, and you can have some neg- negative like physiological you know, performance consequences. But typically, overreaching and overtraining really lie on a continuum with one another. Um, so, um, but I think so many different people respond to training in so many different ways. Some people respond really well to high volume because volume and intensity have an inverse relationship. As one goes up, the other has to go down. You can't do like max effort stuff, you know, four or five times a week and really expect to really gain any moderate, um, performance increase. Right. Um, so, um, people respond to volume and intensity in, in, in different ways. Um, and, and I think it's it's really comes down to a matter of just experience, what your goals are, and how you respond. And you really don't know how you respond to these certain types of training parameters unless you actually get your ass in the arena <laughs> and, 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 and do it for years on end. Because as you get stronger, as you become more, more experienced, your weak points start coming out more. You have to adapt new training types of methods, whether they're bands or chains or speed work. Um, and I think one of the biggest mistakes, especially novice and intermediate athletes make, is that just everything is like max effort and heavy this and heavy that all the time. And I and I understand that because I have done it and I have been there. And you cannot expect to gain any significant performance increases over time and really expect to really like recover from those heavy sessions all the time um, and, and without really expecting to get hurt or just kind of um, – pound yourself into into the ground um, and really listening more of the overtraining response. But I mean, and that's, there's so many different types of consequences, but um, you know, load by itself is not the only factor that corresponds with, with overtraining. If people are just talking about load or just volume, that's a, that's a lie um, because there's also like, um, you know, psychological stress, there's emotional stress, mental stress, you know, even just training stress, your body doesn't really understand the difference between training stress and mental, you know, or emotional stress. It just understands stress. Right. Um, That's that's what I was going to get into. I mean, I'll come from the practical side and working with many clients is, you know, overtraining, I have to address it on an individual basis. Yeah. You know, there are people, I have to look at their whole life. Um, For instance, I have one high-level athlete right now who her whole life for the last eight months has been insane. So what do we do? We back training way off. Right. Um, she can't handle that much frequent training and high volume. Um, so I have to address it from the individual. I have some people that I can train them six, seven times a week or more. I have other people that will get the same benefit out of two or three because the rest of their life is crazy. Um, and then also skill level. I mean, yes, I'm a firm believer and I preach this at my gym. Let's say I have somebody whose max squat is 135 and I have another guy whose max squat is 800. Well, you know, you're the 135ers 90% squat relatively is the same as the 800-pounders 90% squat. But as they get stronger, the recovery is different. You know, it just yeah, is. Sure. Yeah, relative terms, the percentages are the same. But I can train that 135 squat person the next day, maybe the day after, and go to a higher percentage again. Whereas that guy that just squatted 720 pounds, I have to give him more time to recover from that bout of exercise. So... Um, it also depends on how advanced they are in their physical self. I mean, if you take a high-level person and push them into the 90% range, 
the time it takes to recover from that is much greater than somebody less advanced beginner pushing into that 90% range that it can come back two days later, one day later, and, and push that again, um, or even higher. So it, it's individual as far as lifestyle, advancement in their physical body, um, and even just mental yeah, health. Sure. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Great. Thanks, guys. Hey, um, we're kind of getting uh, um, running out of time here, but um, yep. yeah, we just uh, really want to thank you for coming on and a uh, really cool topic. Mm-hmm. We will be back uh, next week um, with some other cool topics as usual. And um, so, yeah, thank you for coming on, Andrew. And thanks for uh, having me, obviously, guys. It's your absolutely. Pleasure. And um, thanks, of course, to the Almighty Phil. And um, this nice is Dr. John Mike. And we will see you guys next week. Cheers. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks very much, guys. See ya. Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org. And um, let us know what you think on the forums. And certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.